Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program known as Smokin' and Toastin'. It's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz, my erstwhile partner. I like that word, erstwhile. That's a good word for uh, my, today. My partner in crime is Ian Barry, and welcome to Smoking and Toasting number 93. Nice, nice to have you back in the studio. <laughs> it feels good to be back. Uh, you know, Now, i got to tell you, as good as it feels to be back, yeah. I'd still rather be you know, well, sitting by I, a pool in St. Petersburg. I can't say that I blame you because uh, we had you on, on Skype for the show last week. That was pretty fun. And, well, it made for interesting visuals because you were sitting there <laughs> puffing away on a cigar. I was so jealous. But, of course, I got back at you by being able to uh, sample all the uh, stuff that our special guest last week, uh, Greg Dixakis from uh, Maison Ferrand. I didn't get to try any of it. I know. And, and it was uh, it was all quite delicious, man. We had some rums last week. That was, uh, oh, that was really man. good. If you were even moderately interested in rum make sure you go back and check out last week's show because we tried several different kinds greg talked about the differences in rum from the different you know uh, regions whether mm-hmm. it's jamaican rum or uh rum from uh, uh any of the other you know places that it can come from there's a lot of different places in the caribbean that uh, that rum is produced so uh so it was all very interesting and very delicious and he's was a, a he fun. was a fun uh a fun guest to have and he already he sent, he sent us a note this week and has already confirmed for show 100 where we're going to invite all the guests who've ever been on the show to join us at an, a yet to be determined location, and it's going to be like show one hundred, just going to be a smoking and toasting <laughs> free for all. all. That'd be awesome. <laughs> It'll be good. I think we'll have dancing girls. It'll be wonderful. Be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I don't even know how to say no to that. Like, <laughs> of course, you don't want to say no to that. <laughs> well, welcome to the program. We are brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Uh, what up, Jeremiah? He was our guest on the show uh, two weeks ago, and we had a lot of fun there at, at B&B. He is always a blast. And talking whiskey. Today's going to be about tequila. Today's show is Tequila 101, some common mistakes to avoid if you're just getting to know tequila. And if you're not, well, why aren't you? Because tequila is one of the true pleasures in sipping spirits. And so that's what we want to talk about today. We, we made reference to some of these things before, like, like if you need salt in the lime, you're not drinking the right tequila, things like that. That's right. Uh, but we'll tell you all about, uh, uh, about the easy steps to learn to enjoy and appreciate and develop uh, a real appreciation for. Or, uh, tequila, so it's kind of Tequila 101. And we'll be sampling a tequila today. I have brought us a bottle of the El Amo Edition Premium Añejo Tequila. So that'll be on our sampling list. We'll There's also, so many syllables in that, it has to be delicious. I had to look at the notes just to see, <laughs> just to see if I could do it. Uh, we're also going to be tasting Brooklyn Pale Ale's Summer Seasonal, uh, which is uh, or, or it's Brooklyn Brewing's Pale Ale summer seasonal, I should say. We'll be tasting Best Buds IPA from Texas Beer Refinery, which I have a whole story to tell you about that. And 11 Below Brewing's Big Mistake Barrel-Aged Stout, which I brought last week, but we had so many spirits to taste uh, that we didn't get to it. And so uh, you are in luck, sir, because you'll be able to do your research on uh, on the um, 11 Below Barrel-Aged Stout called it, Big Mistake. It brings a tear. It's got one of the coolest cans uh designs ever their can artwork 11 below is a Mm -hmm. local houston uh brewery for those of you who aren't familiar with it um Mm -hmm. and their can art is 
awesome. Yeah, in, and uh, we'll show this when we get to that segment, but uh, on the uh, <laughs> big mistake, barrel-aged stout, it's a kid running with scissors. That's it's awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what, could, what could be better than that? Right? I love that they named one of their beers Oso Bueno. Oso Bueno, yeah. <laughs> the, the, no, very creative. You know, I've noticed, by the way, that breweries are getting more and more creative in their naming of craft beers and the packaging of said craft uh, beers. I'm not going to lie. I will buy ridiculous packaging. I will too cuz it, it I just have to try it out. And it, especially doing the show, I'm like, "Oh, we got to we got to yeah. try this. We got to talk about and it." And I so. don't know where the line is. Like there's a thin line between, "Okay, this ridiculous packaging is cool and funny and I have to buy it." And, and it's not. that ridiculous packaging is just stupid. <laughs> yes. And I don't know I what the line is. I, I can't figured, describe it. When it comes to beer, I have a hard time telling where the line is. And in many <laughs> Many cases, I know it exists, but uh, um, so anyway, uh, so it uh, should be a good show. This is show number ninety-three. As we are ticking away seven shows away now from our landmark one hundredth episode, the smoking and toasting free for all. So that we'll, uh, that's we'll so exciting. Start to uh, yeah, start giving you more details about that uh, as we progress. So so you had an interesting week. You were out of town. That's why you were on Skype uh, last week, mm-hmm. and so I can only assume. That you may have smoked something interesting while you so, were away. So I, I just want to point out that this this job is is a harsh taskmaster because even when I go out of town, I still have to Skype in and mm-hmm. talk about cigars, you do cigars and, and beers. Beer in and fact, it looked like you were liquor. really having a tough time dealing with that on the. Well, I don't know if you could tell week. on the video from last week, mm-hmm. but you were actually interrupting my vacation. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there was a giant bug on my glass. That was I saw funny. that. Yeah. <laughs> It you guys, a, you guys were in such an intense conversation, and this giant bug hit my glass. So I just put it up to the camera, and you were like, completely derailed. That was hilarious. It really reminded me of the old, you know, Godzilla movies and stuff, <laughs> where they would, where they would have the monster attacking the town, but it would actually be like a regular sized spider in a little miniature town. It was awesome, <laughs> brilliant. So awesome. I had, I had a fantastic time. So first off, the local, uh, the local places are so great there. Uh, I start. We started off in. Um, and there'll be some video for this next week on our That's show. That's right, yes. We're going to edit brought, that down. You uh, brought back some, uh, right. some video reporting. What, I've t- got some really fun ones. Uh, this where, uh, where did you uh, do video? So uh, the videos that I did mostly were in, uh, in Ybor City, nice. uh, which is just a blast. It's mm-hmm. very touristy, but very awesome at the same time. So it's like touristy kind of done, right? When you're a tourist, it's fun to be I want to lay out a couple place. things. So we ended up going to this place called uh, Rock Brothers Brewing, I like it. which is right like a block off of the strip. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, in Ebor, and uh, this guy was m- just concocting these drinks that were amazing. So you're going to see video on that next week. I'm nice. not going to give that away, but Roy over at Rock Bottoms was pretty awesome. Oh, I love it. And and I made an appointment with him. I was like, when is a good time to come in here and shoot some video? So we we met up on Friday and did that. So is he making the drinks on the on? Yes, the ca- yes. Oh, you'll nice. be able to see the process. That's he talks nice. about yes. it. And um, so that was a blast. And then uh, as we were. As we were walking back, uh, kind of the way we came from the from the brews, getting kind of dark outside, and we walked down this block, and all these, you know, this this it's an old downtown area, so all these little strips uh, of buildings are squished together, and there's like all these shops and everything squished together in all these buildings, and we walk by the staircase with a little board outside that says, "Jazz cigars, local craft beers." Well, like <laughs> it might as well say. Ian, come inside. 
Like, I don't. Hey, what do you do? You know, right, right. You, you're, you're only a man. We were so yes. <laughs> I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. But I'm stuck in this tractor beam. Yes. So that was for you, by the way. Thank you. I appreciated it. <laughs> so, so anyway, so we end up going up this. This was this place was perfect, by the way. Okay, for yeah. exactly what that sign said. So you walk in, and it's just this staircase, and it's a big ass staircase you walk way the hell up to the second floor because you know second floor on those downtown like mm-hmm. style buildings mm-hmm. it's not your you know seven steps and a landing and eight steps and you're there you know yeah. this is not this is a big old staircase you're climbing you, the stairway to yeah, heaven right you, so you go way up the staircase and walk into this little like this was the smoky bar like James Cagney could have walked in there at any moment. This is what you were totally looking for it the was, whole time. It was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> love it. It was perfect. I love it. So we walk in, and there's a uh, there's a bass player and a sax player playing. Um, I didn't get their names. They were they were fun. They were just doing a duet jazz thing. Um, and we smoked some cigars and sat there chatting for a while. And I realized, okay, so we're in the front part of the bar. Um, the whole back area of the bar is not even open yet. They're still yes. under construction. So I ended up chatting with this guy. We'll have a video with him as well about him <clears> opening <throat> his bar and everything because they were so cool and interesting. So uh, uh, anyway, that was that was a blast. Um, on Saturday, I went down to uh, a cigar shop in St. Petersburg. Now, these cigar shops are mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. You don't get this in Houston, right, very often. You walk into a cigar shop, and instead of having a walk-in humidor, a lot of these guys have – a wall of humidors all the way down, like right. glass humidors all the way down the mm-hmm. wall, okay? Um, and you might see some of that on the um, videos or some of the pictures that I took that I'll uh, post up soon. But uh, And then there's a bar, and you so you get your cigar and you go have your craft beer or whatever else. Well, I walked in, and they were having a, um, they were having a little event there, a little promo event, and uh, I ran into a guy named Roger Robbins from J.G. Cigars and Associates. J.G. Cigars. J.G. Cigars. Now, you've heard some of his products. They represent... Uh, Oscar Valadares. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's Leaf by Oscar. I know those mm-hmm. are very popular. Yeah, those are Leaf fantastic. Is a, that's a, that cigar and, uh, company is really, he, really good. Yeah, growing. yeah. And so he, we got to chat, and I was telling him about the show, and we went back and forth. And he goes, "Here, man, have you tried one of these?" And he hands me an Oscar Valadares, uh, one of the uh, uh, 2012 cigars, mm-hmm. and with the red label, which is the Maduro. And I said, "Wait, I have had that." He goes, oh, well, have you had this one? And he hands me the one with the orange label, which is the Corojo. I was like, I have not had that. <laughs> so that is my cigar of choice for today Okay, um, to tell you about, because I sat and smoked that last night, and I told him I oh, would Oh, so you brought it home with you Yeah, I brought it, it home here, with yeah. me and smoked it, because uh, I had a different cigar that he gave me while I smoked there, but I'll talk about that one at another time. But I wanted to talk about this one, because this one, I had the Maduro. We had this, uh, we got the Maduro version of this uh, at the Big Smoke. Mm-hmm. I remember. And, uh, and I had that, and I enjoyed it. And I think we talked about it on the show. I talked about mine on the show probably. Probably at that time. This was an Oscar Valdez twenty twelve Corojo, Honduran Corojo wrapper, Honduran Nicaraguan uh, combination filler. Um, so I went through this one with a pretty fine comb, um, and this was a fun cigar. It had uh, le- leather, nutmeg, cream, coffee, green pepper, cedar, kind of on the pre light sniff, like mm-hmm. a bunch of little things going on. It was pretty complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pre-light draw was effortless. It was almost oddly effortless. It was almost like there wasn't a cigar. Just whoosh. Yeah, just whoosh. Um, so I so I thought maybe this is going to smoke kind of fast. We'll see how it goes. Um, but the but the taste that you were getting in the draw were really nice. It was a lot of cream, coffee, leather, and, and, and oddly enough, chicory. 
Chicory. Chicory of all things is what wow. occurred to me. Like it was coffee this, in New Orleans. <laughs> it was very weird. Like I've never had a cigar that made me think chicory before. This one did. And it did the entire time, too. It wasn't just one of those things. But you liked that. It no, wasn't, I did. It wasn't yes, distracting. I did. Absolutely. Well, it was distracting in the fact that it was a cool another level of interest that I hadn't ever experienced in a cigar so this hmm. and it might maybe i was just weird maybe it was the bug spray that i had on me i don't know but it smelled like chicory to me <laughs> <laughs> well if you want to experience this and you're not getting it from the cigar <laughs> then add, add bug spray to add your body spray to your and body. Uh, maybe maybe it'll happen yeah so <laughs> in the last few seconds of the segment let me let me run down the rest of this uh, let's see so um the initial light was very much cre- a lot of cream in this a lot of very uh just just general creamy kind of flavors there's a little bit of pepper cedar I, I got some of that nutmeg and caramel and still chicory nice like it was just this maybe once i got it stuck in my head i couldn't stop tasting it but I, it was chicory and it was fun the first third of this was big creamy smoke with light spice and coffee hint of nutmeg Mm-hmm. And chicory. And chicory. And it was fun. It, this is such a big, silky smoke. This is a good, solid, medium cigar, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I saw online some people rating it as a medium to full, but no, I'd say this is dead center right medium. The, center. the one that I had was dead center medium. Um, and I think people that uh, people that enjoy on the lighter side of cigars would probably enjoy this as well, just because the flavors were interesting, not intense, if right. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like The intensity wasn't... Huge, but they were very interesting. The second third of the cigar uh, was solid. It just it just kept smoking the same way all the way through. the The burn was perfect. Like the burn was absolutely perfect until the cigar went out. It never even ran. It was never uneven. Mm. Um, and it did smoke kind of fast. What I uh, it was a sixty ring gauge. I assumed it would have been a forty five to fifty minute cigar. It was about thirty five minutes, mm. which yeah. is pretty well fast. the whoosh, you know. Yeah, but it never felt it never felt too burnt up. The last third of this, the intensity did ramp up a little bit, but just a little bit. Uh, it got a little more complex, more pepper. Uh, got a little bit of light chocolate flavors in there, and and caramel flavors. Still had that chicory kind of undertone. I smoked it pretty low, like I didn't let very much of this cigar go to waste at all. I give this uh, a solid six out of our uh, price to quality scale, which puts it a little above um, what I would have paid for it. Mm-hmm. Although Mr. Robbins was uh, generous enough to give me this cigar, so at the price that I actually got the cigar, it gets ten, of course. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> if I paid the actual price for the cigar, I would give it above. This was a, it was a great cigar. It did smoke a little fast. Is the only thing that I could um, mm-hmm. complain about at all. But that's not really a complaint because it smoked great. And well, as long as ride. the construction, I don't mind if they smoke fast if it's a very open draw. But as long as the construction, as long as it doesn't burn weird because of that, I was know? surprised at the combination of how open the draw was, how fast. It smoked and how even the burn was. The burn was perfect Fantastic. the entire time. Fantastic. So, and this is, uh, say the name of the cigar. This again? is an Oscar Valadares 2012. This was the Corojo. It the had Corojo. the orange color wrapper. The wrapper's real cool. It says 2012 because it's talking about, you know, like when the world was supposed to end, of course, on the Mayan mm-hmm. calendar. And it has this cool Mayan looking. Uh, yeah, I remember the 2012 design. is a really nice, right, cool right. script. Yeah. Yeah, it's a so. great looking cigar, too. And the one I had was the light, uh, light like milk chocolatey colored one. Nice. Not the dark uh, Maduro one, which which I also uh, reviewed. And I think I reviewed that one pretty favorably, too. I believe too. you. Uh, I believe you were a big fan, yes. So I had a great time with it. So, well, that's awesome. Sounds like you had a great time the whole trip. I did. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So uh, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be tasting the Brooklyn Pale Ale Summer Seasonal uh, from Brooklyn Brewery. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about what I smoked this week and two giants 
in the cigar industry passed away. And uh, so we want to pay tribute to them. Uh, when the show continues, you're listening to Smoking and Toasting, and we will be right back. Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 93. We are brought to you by the fine people with the excellent bacon at B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, soon to take over the rest of the world. Because when you make dry-aged steaks that are that delicious, and the bacon, and the way that bar is stocked at B&B, I mean... You're going to conquer the world. Don't it's going forget, to it is an actual. It is an actual butcher shop, so mm-hmm. you can walk in and buy the dry aged steak and then take it home. I was looking when we were there. I was looking at the thing you, as you had previously mentioned, mm-hmm. you can buy Chef Tommy's bacon. You too. can. They got a whole pack. They got everything in one box, yep. ready to go, and instructions on how to make it badass. That would be a, if you're like a single guy and you want to impress a woman, and you got her over for breakfast, right? Perfect it first. Like, go buy it, try it, make sure you got it right. Then go back, buy some more, and go, let me whip you up some bacon. Here's your eggs and a side of bacon. And then lay that on her. Oh, (laughs) man, you'll score big time. Big, big, big time. Uh, It's show number 93, and we are so glad to be here. It's Tequila 101 today on the show. We're going to be uh, going over some, uh, like, some tips for people who are maybe just getting into tequila, or maybe, you, you know, your only tequila memories. Because every time I bring up tequila, if I've got a guest over at the house, I go, hey, uh, would like to have some tequila? They go, oh, I have a tequila story. There's a, there's every, always a tequila ev- incident. Everybody has a tequila incident. And if that's as far as you got with tequila was the incident, the incident. then maybe, uh, maybe it's time for you to be introduced to one of the finer and more delicious spirits in the world. And so we'll talk about how to, so how to get started. In now. this Tequila 101, are you going to teach me the proper way to slice the lime? And and where to add the salt? What? No. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, I figure you know how to slice the lime, but that's if you're making margaritas. You don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to put... And by the way, I just want to say, and my wife will back me up on this, I feel like I'm getting close to saying I may have perfected the margarita. Like, uh, I'm really on a roll making margaritas lately. You're going to have to let me in on those secrets, and also, you're going to have to prove it to me. Okay. I, I will be happy to prove it to you. Here's the secret. You ready? If you use a margarita mix, which is allowable, you just have to use a really good one. Don't use just Fred's mix. Uh, use some, I use Nina's Natural, and you can make it yourself, of course, by you know squeezing more limes and, and you know putting some of the things together that's in there. But what you have to do is completely ignore or just invert the instructions because the instructions will tell you use two-thirds Nina's you know, mix, and they all say this, one-third tequila. That is incorrect. It's two-thirds tequila, one-third mix. Then I use a little Contro mm. and uh, use a really good Blanco or Reposado tequila, but good quality, something yeah. we'll get to a little bit of that uh, when we get to Tequila 101. Uh, and then I cut a lime in half, like a small lime, squeeze. I usually make these two at a time in a shaker, so two glasses, uh, two margaritas at a time in a shaker. And I take cut a lime in half, squeeze the whole half a lime into, and then shake with ice. And it's it's surprisingly easy and good. Now, yesterday, 
I tried something new that I hadn't tried. I put in just a dash of some limeade. Ooh. And it just gave it that extra little, little something, something, something. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's you know, there's some tequila so, secrets. So, my it. wife made uh, margaritas at one point in time, and she was adding in the uh, Pura Vida uh, Naranja. Oh yes, which is so that's the control. That's the orange. Yeah. Uh, so you want a splash of but, that? You don't want to overdo it. But that's a full forty percent too. Yes, and that's you don't not just the yeah. liqueur. <laughs> but the big thing about the uh, naranja or uh, any kind of orange liqueur control, uh, whatever, you do not want to overdo that because it will make your no. margaritas bitter. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it but it's very good for just that little bit of flavoring. It's about it's about the ratios. Once you get the ratios right, uh, margaritas. I can always be like about a half a shot. Not mm-hmm. a full shot, but about a half a shot of uh, like a Graminier in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Graminier just basically yeah. accomplishes the same thing yeah. in the margarita. So it's just a very high quality liqueur. So well, you're going to have to prove yours to really me. Good. I will be happy to do that, my friend. Want to uh, uh, real quickly recognize two giants of the cigar industry that passed away, not this last week, but the week before, and we didn't get a chance to get to this uh, on last week's show. But um, uh, it's... I'm kind of bummed about this. I've met one of these guys, and he was just as like gracious and nice as he uh, could be. Kano Osgener, who formed CAO uh, Tobacco with his uh, son and daughter. He passed away on June the 9th at his home in Nashville, Tennessee. He was 81. And Eric Hansen, who founded Hammer and Sickle Cigars, uh, also passed away. He died on the 8th of June. And... Um, um, I don't know. I I met. Uh, I, I never met Eric Hansen. I met Kano and his son Tim at a cigar event once, and they were just so passionate about their cigars. I, love I just that. I loved them instantly. You know, they were just they were so passionate about it. So anyway, our um, our our thoughts go out to their family and uh, CAO. Of course, is you know one of those. Uh, uh, cigar companies that's been acquired. Uh, they were sold to General Cigar Company, but they still make. Uh, I think they, after this happens to a lot of cigar companies. I think that get acquired, they go through a period, a phase where the cigars maybe don't don't have quite the quality that they used to have. But then they have a tendency to come back. I'm looking at you, Camacho. Like that totally happened to Camacho. Like they just lost right. quality. But the last couple Camachos I've tried are totally back on track. So it's a good thing. Plus they're called Camacho. Yeah, and you gotta love that. Speaking of cigars, I had one that I wanted to mention uh, this last week. It was the Nica Libre Potencia Robusto. Potencia. Not- I'm- Totally interested to hear what you think about this because I'm a fan of Nicoli Bray. Well, I like Nicoli Bray a lot. This is a really pretty little uh, Robusto Oliva factory in Nicaragua is where these are made. And uh, it has a sun-grown Habano wrapper. It has Nicaraguan binder and fillers. The pre-light was earth and coffee beans. It burned beautifully. Fantastic construction. Um, there were notes of coffee, chocolate, some leather, and a nice nuttiness. And it's about a $3 cigar. You gotta love the Robusto. That. So you gotta love it. I'm gonna give it a five and a half, five point five, which means I, I would be, really I should give it better because if it were a five or six dollar cigar, I wouldn't have been at all disappointed. The only thing is, I'm not sure it's better than the standard. Nicolibre. The ninety. Yeah, I which, I just, which I just love. Just, just the you know, they're and great. They're so good, and they're about the same price. And I think the cigar was supposed to be. Like the step up, the deluxe. Like here's our even more special uh, version, and I'm not sure it was more special, but it was good, and it was very inexpensive. So I uh, I like it. 
I, I have to say I have had that cigar and I found myself merely whelmed. The Bochincia? Yes. Merely whelmed? Merely whelmed. Not, not overwhelmed. Not overwhelmed. Not That's kind of how it was. It was very good. But it wasn't bad. I was not upset with it by mm-hmm. any means. Uh, I expected more since it was a different one, but um, but I found that it was good and I liked it as much as you know as much as I like. And the again, stuff. at the price, I mean, you're talking a three dollars cigar. I can't believe Nico Libres are that inexpensive. I know it's amazing to me that they're that good and that inexpensive. Like I'd like to know. Go ahead. Oh, that was good. I'd like to know if there is another cigar in that price range that is as good as that. I'm what not sure it? there is. Because uh, that is always my go-to. You know, I'm not sure there is. Lana. You know, you and I have made our lists uh, before on the show of, uh, you know, cigars under $6. I believe it was. Six was mm-hmm. thing where we said it. That we, you know, we made our top five list, and the Nicky Libre made both of yeah. our lists. And uh, it's I, just good stuff. Oddly enough, I like the smaller sizes of the Nicky Libre uh, better than I like the bigger sizes of the Nicky Libre, which is a little opposite because I usually like bigger cigars. You usually like in those general. big ring gauge uh, smokes. Right. Yes, that's absolutely true. Uh, I'm I'm with you on the smaller ring gauge. I'm kind of going through a smaller ring gauge phase. I've had a few cigars recently that were larger ring gauge that I really did like. But um, man, some of the best things I've had, some of the things I've enjoyed most have been, you know, 50 and under in terms of ring gauge. So, um, well, recently so I picked up it. a couple cigars that were actually Lanceros uh, mm-hmm. on the recommendation of, I think, the guy over at Lone Star Cigars. And uh, it was odd that I picked up Lanceros just because I don't generally pick them up. I usually think. I usually think if I'm going to have a longer cigar, it's usually a bigger ring gauge. Yeah. Um, so, but Lanceros are fun and interesting, and I'll they, try. I've yeah. got a, I've got a, uh, it's an Aldus, I think, at the house that he recommended. I haven't tried yet. Sometimes the flavors can be very intense on the Lanceros. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I'm going to show this to camera. This is the Brooklyn Summer Ale, the Pale Ale Seasonal from the Brooklyn Brewery, which, by the way, is located in Utica, New York, not in Brooklyn. I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, but uh, this is their pale ale. It is a seasonal, so it's not available year-round. And I could tell on opening the bottle, I got a little bit of the hint of floralness on the nose. Uh, some, think, it, It's a uh, hop character, but... Hmm. It smells a lot like uh, like St. Arnold's Fancy Lawnmower. Yeah. And that, and that hoppy kind of Fortun- freshly cut grass kind of smell. Fortunate for me, fortunately for me, it doesn't tastes like that. I I love St. Arnold, but I am not a fan of the lawnmower. Oh, see, everybody, I like the lawnmower. Everybody I know likes the lawnmower. I just I don't care for it. It's not uh, my favorite beer, but I do yeah, like it. Yeah, I, I have no problems with it. It's a little grassy for me. And uh, that's what it's supposed to be. So they're accomplishing what they wanted to do with the beer, but I feel like it's just not exactly to my palate. This, however, like I'm not getting the grassiness on uh on the taste. I'm Did getting, they call this blonde ale? Hmm. They call it a pale. It says pale ale this, seasonal. This tastes Brooklyn like what you would just call ale. a blonde ale. Well, it kind of does. Uh, I agree with you there. It's got, um, but it's got a little bit more of the hoppiness to it, and not that sort of not heavier bitter. IPA kind of hoppiness, but more of that floral um, yeah. uh, kind of hoppiness. So it's floral centric. I, I th- think I've said the word floral about eight times now, but that is floral. That kind of is what. It, it's not that it's so flowery. It's just got a. Uh, it's just got a very bright. It's got a floral centricity to it. <laughs> it's very. I'm bright. I'm pushing this one through, Dan. I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> you're not. You're not afraid to keep going, and I like that. I, I respect that about you. Yeah. Um, uh, no real bitterness to speak of on this. Uh, it, it's pretty refreshing. Um, this is. Uh, it. You know what's funny is, 
when you smell it, it has some of that hoppy, uh, bright hoppiness that you expect mm-hmm. in a summer. But you don't really get that so much in the taste. It's not. No. It's a, it tastes it more. Doesn't taste as bitter as it smells. Tastes more like a blonde, um, like you said. Yeah, uh, it tastes. Uh, it's like got a, a very ale. smooth blonde ale kind of taste. Mm-hmm. That uh, that. That little <clears throat> hoppy snap to it mm-hmm. comes back in the end, but it's it's just barely a finish. It's not even that noticeable anymore once uh, once the aftertaste is gone. Uh, this is a good beer. I, this is I think it quite drinkable, very refreshing. Again, I always I always think of summer beers in terms of if you got a bunch of these stuffed in a cooler and you're at the beach or at a pool party, like how's this going to go down? How how is this going to be? How drinkable is this going to be as the day wears on? Right. I imagine these or this beer with tacos. Ooh, like Ooh. this flavor profile on this just like to me screams. I need to be with a taco. We should do a taco and beer pairing show. Ooh, Ooh I like this idea. <laughs> right. The way you think. We will discuss this during the break, and when we come back, we'll be tasting uh, something called Best Buds. It's an IPA, and uh, I'll be uh, getting, uh, I think, some information to you, Ian, that you're going to be very excited about. Motorhead is debuting a beer. <laughs> we'll be back with that info plus Tequila 101 all coming up. You are listening to Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. This is the radio program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're a radio program. We're a podcast. We don't discriminate. You can listen to us any way you want to. Yeah, you can call us whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Just Uh, hit like and share. Yep. I can call you Betty. You can call me Al at all. It it totally, (laughs) totally works. That song should be so good and it's so boring. Uh, Yeah, I know. I know. But if it gets stuck in your head. Oh, oh, yeah. There's no helping it. Forget about it. Forget about it. Uh, We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Thanks, by the way, to Greg. Greg Duxakis from Maison Ferrand, who was our guest last week. And um, uh, because he was here and he brought so much great stuff to taste, and then you were reporting live from uh, uh, from Florida, uh, as, I, as I point to the monitor where you were uh, reporting live, um, uh, we missed getting to talk about a couple of things that were kind of happening in the cigar and spirits industry uh, last week. And one was that the, uh, the strike and the violence in Nicaragua uh, was reportedly having an impact on the Nicaraguan cigar business, and it was uh, there were some issues with delivery shipments getting from where they needed to go because of some of the protests getting to where they needed to go. Although not everybody reported problems, and then almost all the cigar factories had at least one day where no work was done because of the strike. The strike is now over. And the factories in Nicaragua are operating once again. It was a 24-hour labor strike that was staged last week. Uh, Most sources in the industry have confirmed to Cigar Aficionado that cigar operations are up and running, even though the political situation in Nicaragua is still uh, pretty unstable. So uh, they're reporting from uh, Oliva, from J.C. Newman, from A.J. Fernandez, and Placencia Cigars that Everybody's back to work, and the uh, production has uh, has resumed. So, it it I don't think you'll see it impact cigar availability or cigar prices. But because the situation's still unstable, I thought it was you know interesting enough to mention. 
because Nicaragua is like where some of my favorite cigars would, are made. I so. would be, and I don't have the number, but I would be uh, probably a little mind boggled to know how many cigars didn't get made for one day from all those. You know, factors. I was wondering about that because it's so. You go, oh, one day. That's one day out of the month, and you know it's you know there's still you know twenty nine thirty days to make cigars, but yeah, a day could mean. Hundreds of thousands of cigars. That yeah, didn't pretty get quickly made. like that. You know, it, it, it especially across many factories. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting uh, to see if it if it uh, does impact anything. But uh, so far, everybody is kind of going out of their way to assure us that nothing's been affected, at least where cigars are concerned. All right, Ian. Big news for you. <clears throat> Even though you are not in the Great Lakes area, you do have relatives. Uh, I do. That are in Michigan, right? I do. Quite a few. Well, residents of the Great Lakes area will soon be able to pour one out for Lemmy, the late rock and roll legend of Motorhead. Motorhead. Motorhead is releasing their own official beer. They have commissioned Kalamazoo-based Arcadia Brewing to brew Road Crew craft beer. And Road, the O in Road Crew has the, uh, is it an umlaut? Is that mm-hmm. what you call the two dots above the O? Just like in Motorhead, yep. right? So it has that above the O. So it's the Road Crew craft beer. Uh, for the U.S. market, initially it will only be available in the Great Lakes region of the Midwest, uh, but Calumet Breweries will be distributing it in uh, northwest Indiana. And it will be released in bottles, cans, and kegs at retailers and bars and restaurants in Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and other Midwestern states. It's an American IPA with floral and citrusy hops and 6.2 ABV. Go Motorhead. Go Motorhead. Yeah. And for any of my family up there, I'm just saying if I happen to get a package in the mail. Mm-hmm. Yes. Since I can't get it here. I, I wish the camera were on your fingers. Oh, your fingers sorry. Are, let me do this. If I, uh, yeah. <laughs> if, I, <laughs> if, I if I happen to get, get a package, package yeah. in the mail. <laughs> By the way, the press release had this quote, which is alone the reason to do the story. Road Crew Beer is perfect for all rock, beer, and hopheads, and goes down especially well whilst listening to Motorhead at a wonderfully obscene lawn-killing volume. So there you go. <laughs> it says whilst and wonderfully obscene whilst. in the same uh, in the same sentence. Uh, Motorhead uh, joins, of course, a number of rock bands that have released beers uh, recently, including Iron Maiden, ACDC, Pearl Jam, and No Effects. And tasted, don't forget mm, hops. Mm-hmm, mm, yeah, well. Yes, I'm trying. Oh to. wait, you did say rock and roll, man. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, you know, we did taste the No Effects beer, and it was actually quite good. Yeah, yeah we had that on the show, so it was uh, it was quite good. All right, uh, Ian, it's time for me to tell you what's going on in this little baby right here. From what is Jugs. happening? First of all, let me say there is an establishment in Houston called Jugs, and to be honest, it's not what you think. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't go in because it's not uh, the same as Hooters, right? Uh, that's what I thought. Or Twin Peaks. That's totally what I thought. Uh, I thought, but apparently, that's the one that's spelled Jugs with two G's. Apparently. Uh, that's what that one is. Uh, no, Jugs is actually a place where you can go and you can buy a uh, growler like this one that I'm showing the camera right here. And then you can take it back and when it's empty and refill it. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, I love their uh, I love their slogan. It says "Saving the planet one growler fill at a time," mm-hmm. and uh, that's a pretty cool idea. What's even cooler is, from what I understand, because I haven't been in. What's even cooler is the variety of beers that they have available that they can put in your growler. And so there's there's actually a region a, rec- a recent 
um, surgeons mm-hmm. of uh, of these types of places. There's uh, there's one called Growlers. There's one mm-hmm. called Jugs. There's uh, quite a few others in town. And it's a it's a tap wall basically. You go in, you can try all the different beers, and sample, then take, and then decide yeah, which one you want. Yeah. And a lot of them also have other beers other than what's uh, uh, just on tap. But um, and uh, but there's quite a few in town, and you can spend uh, quite a good chunk of your afternoon just trying out beers and buying one. Well, I received this growler full of Best Buds IPA from Texas Beer uh, Refinery. Uh, in Dickinson, Texas, I received that as uh, a gift for Father's Day from uh, my stepson and his fiance, my stepson, who just happens to be Adam, who's on the wheels of steel. Uh, we are on, so on turning program. our engineer, yeah, into you a slash beer your snob. stepson into a beer. Snob. Yeah, we totally are. But uh, Adam, I, I thought maybe you can pop on the mic there and just tell us a little bit about uh, about what this was like when you went in to get this he, because he is I, by I the actually, way i actually haven't been in into jugs so he is an oddly nice boy for a millennial <laughs> we don't we don't hold that against him but i still remember when he schooled us on kombucha <laughs> there's that it's kombucha kombucha see, see? there you go no uh, jugs is awesome though so uh, yeah were, were you like already aware of this or was this the first time you went in so i've drove i've driven past it many times and i never went in like oh i saw it looks like a cool place i'm going and i was shopping for you know it was my on the same day as father's day it was my mom's birthday so i was gift shopping and i happened to drive by there i was planning on getting you like some cigars or something i wasn't sure i was like let me go stop by in there and it was actually closed when i went but the guy was actually you know setting up beer and whatever and he was like oh come on in man like um i was like oh, i wasn't i wasn't aware y'all were closed whatever he's like come on in whatever he was a super nice guy he like he's like here try some of this try some of that like overly nice for no reasons like wow okay <laughs> cool like so I just ended up hanging out there for like 10 20 minutes and he convinced me on getting this beer because I told I told him what you liked and stuff and he was like oh this will be perfect he'll love this and I'd never heard of it so they actually had two um, two slots with uh, St Arnold's Divine Reserve on it oh nice and so I was like okay this place is legit and then <laughs> and then uh, they also had this. Uh, it's a beer from Five One Two. It was a barrel aged stout, like a special. Was it edition. one of the bourbon barrel? It was uh, one of those, aged, the like the BBH or one of those. Yeah, it was one of those. It was, it was a special edition bottle. You could tell it was like really nice. So I know they're getting like pretty good stuff. And I was like, okay, so I, I trust the guy. You know what he was saying. So, so yeah. I I have to I have to laugh at that because you said you got you were like there for twenty minutes. Yeah. The first time I went into one of those places. Like an hour flew by, like it was nothing. I don't even think I bought anything yet. Yeah. And they're like, "Here, try this one." Well, yeah, try this one. He had to buy, go buy something for his mom for mother for, this, for her uh, birthday. So that's, <laughs> well, there's that. Oddly that's enough, that that, about, that location yeah. actually got <laughs> smashed in by a car somehow. Oh no! I don't know if you heard about that, but someone I don't know driving too fast down was it Shepherd. I guess, and like just slammed right into the whole entire place and just destroyed like half of the Holy place. So they cow. just recently, that's not good. they just recently kind of rebuilt reopened, it, huh? and yeah, yeah, I had no idea. But wow, that's very funny. Story. That's an interesting story, but uh, but I have to say, and I of course have tried this, although I did not try it on Father's Day, but I brought it home, put it in the refrigerator, and uh, and tried it, and I'll give you my thoughts on it. But I wanted to bring it in on the show. Partially because we've never had anything from uh, Texas Beer Refinery. They're in uh, Dickinson, Texas. And I'm not sure, I don't know if you uh, know this, Adam, or not, but I'm not sure if Texas Beer Refinery has uh, product available in bottles and cans. They may be one of the you know, breweries that has the brew house. And the, I've never seen it yeah, I haven't in, in, uh, on a shelf. So 
Mm-hmm. And well, that's one of the other cool things about these places is any place that makes kegs can have their beer in this places, and you can't get a lot of local brews because a lot of local brews don't can. Like, right. Sometimes they're just. And that is, that is the fastest growing trend in craft beer yeah, right big now, time. is the uh, local breweries that just do kegs and maybe yeah. uh, do growlers, or maybe they're available at a place like Jug. So uh, I don't know if you can see uh, my uh, taster glass here, uh, but that the fill level should give you an indication of what I thought about this, uh, <laughs> this particular IPA the first time I tried it. But uh, it'll be interesting... Uh, Ian, to get your research notes, because I, I, um, I'll i tell you what I thought. This reminded me very much of some of the earliest IPAs that I enjoyed when I was first getting into that style of beer. So I kind of graduated as a, as a beer snob. I kind of graduated from, you know, uh, first from... Um, you know the mainstream beers from big beer to things like uh, blonde ales and and uh, um, you know uh, dark ales, things like uh, things like Shinerbach and uh, stuff like that. And then from that, I kind of stepped into IPAs. And at first, I was like, hmm, I don't know. And then I started to really develop you know a, a taste for it. And this reminds me very much of uh, Harpoon IPA, uh, of the uh, IPA from uh, Red Hook which is one of the early IPAs that I tried and really got into. And I just really like the characteristics of this. I would be curious to know what your thoughts are, Ian. So this right here is, um, do you like mac and cheese? I love mac and cheese. So there's a difference between mac and cheese that you make from an instant kit. Yes. Which is still pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I would call that your run-of-the-mill IPA. Mm-hmm. Then there's the crafty ones that put yeah. so much stuff in there that you forget it's mac and cheese. That's right. And and it's just got, you know, everything from lobster meat to uh, right. different, you know, varieties of cheese. To this is like bacon. mac and cheese that's absolutely true to the original formula mm-hmm. uh, and original ingredients, but mm-hmm. done so well. Right. And the balance is so good. The uh, probably... This is right up there with, I've talked about it, I don't think I had a chance to have it on here, but there's a Shannon Brewery in um, in uh, Fort Worth, or uh, Keller, Texas, I think mm-hmm. it actually is, that makes an IPA that's this good. And it is exactly what you said. Like, when I first tried IPAs, this is what they tasted like. They were balanced. They were crisp. Mm-hmm. They were bitter, but the bitter finishes with a crispness, not with a bitter twang. Well, IPA went through this stage as it became more popular where it seemed like everybody was trying to out-hop everybody else. And some of them, Stone Brewing, did it really well. Right. And some of them just got hoppy. Yeah, some of know? them just got so hoppy, it's like I said before, chewing on a pine cone. Mm-hmm. Or my buddy says it's like like eating freshly clipped grass or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, this right here is what I really enjoy about a great IPA. It has a very floral start to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you smell it. Like, it's big. There's yep. no doubt about it. You, you open this up, you can smell it. Um, the next thing that happens is this multi-middle profile that, that rolls yes. right across the middle Malt of your in tongue. the middle. And then this bitter yet still super juicy and uh, and and wonderful, uh, like hits the back of the tongue where mm-hmm. the where the bitterness mm-hmm. hits yes, and just yes. fills your mouth. And then when you swallow, you have this aftertaste that's just fantastic, and it goes away. Whoosh. Yeah, right. It's, it doesn't, doesn't leave a yeah. bitter cling mm-hmm. or anything right. like that. This is a fantastic beer. You know the way you just described that reminds me of how I 
learned to describe Harpoon IPA, which was one of the first IPAs that I really began to love. And what was interesting for me is in my journey as learning, you know, to to enjoy different styles of beer, it was drinking IPAs that opened me up to sort of like everything else. You know, until I got there, I was very well. I like a blonde ale, but I don't really want anything too crazy, or you know, you know what I mean. And and once I really started identifying the flavors in IPA, and really started thinking, you know, this craft beer thing has got got this. It's going to be hard <laughs> to go back to drinking regular beer again, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, and that was when I started trying, you know. Um, you know, um, brown ales and and stouts and and different uh, different styles that hadn't been my thing before, and really learning to enjoy them and appreciate them. And, and uh, so I, I have IPA uh, to credit for that. And this reminds me of all those good things about IPA that I always loved. The smell of this one immediately brought me back to one of the first IPAs I've ever actually ever actually tried. Uh, I was playing a gig in Galveston at a place that was the Galveston Brewery or Brewery in Galveston or something like that. Anyway, it was just off the Strand, mm-hmm. and we used to uh, my band used to play there once like once a month, and the brewmeister there loved it. I'd come in and he'd be like, "Look what I made now!" <laughs> and this was way early, so this was like in Before the nineties. Before the craft yeah, this beer was, explosion, this was yeah. in the mid to late nineties. Um, yeah, definitely mid to late nineties. Before this all really became so huge, and uh, it was just burgeoning. Uh, on the scene, and uh, and he sat down an IPA, and I never had one before. And he sat this thing down, and he sat it on the table. And I could smell it. I was like, "What is that? Like mm-hmm. that's interesting." And this reminds me so much of that. Like the smell of it brought me back because it's that kind of smell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. I, uh, I'm a fan. I'm for this it. This is good thing. I'm for it. Uh, Texas Beer Refinery is the name of the place that brews this, and Jugs is the name of the place uh, where you can buy it in Houston. Good uh, job, you guys. Without having to go. So, yeah, what a, what a Father's Day. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we turn our attention to tequila. Tequila 101 specifically, how to really enjoy tequila. Plus, we'll be sampling some tequila that is known as El Amo Edition Premium Añejo Tequila. We'll be back with that on Smoking and Toasting. Wow, my friend, that is a great idea. Isn't that fantastic? Yes. I know, I was, I was expecting a... Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 93, and uh, we are doing Tequila 101 on the show. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, my name is Cruz, my co-host, the erstwhile uh, Ian Barry. Erstwhile is such a good yeah. word. It's a good word, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I could have said the dank Ian Barry, because <laughs> uh, that's been one of our words on the show, but uh, I liked. I thought erstwhile was a little you more You know, in, in the mid-90s, back when, back when we used to play... Uh, at mm-hmm. that bar yeah. in Galveston, we actually used to play with a band there. This ties it all together, by the way. You know yes. how a good story uh, yeah. does this. Uh-huh. We used to play with a band there that was from Galveston. They were called Dank. The Dank. The Dank. That's even better. <laughs> the Dank is better than just Dank. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, we are um, ninety-three shows into this thing, man. Madness. And you would think that we'd probably. Why have... haven't they stopped us? What yeah. are they thinking? Well, you would have think you would have thought someone would step in. Uh, and you would have also thought that perhaps we would have already played every card we have to play. You know what I mean? That we'd shown all of our bag of tricks. But this is not true either. Oh, stick around. It just gets weird. Yes. Stick around for, and not on this show, it'll be a couple of episodes. 
but we are getting very near to the debut on this program of something called Oh, oh, you wanted the Okay. <laughs> uh, we're getting very near to the debut on this program of something called Puppets Smoking Cigars. That's all I'll tell you for now. It's going to be good. <laughs> or not, but it's going to be, you know? Uh, yes, absolutely. So, uh, Ian, uh, you and I are both uh, fans of the agave. Yes. Uh, I've been a fan of the agave. In fact, I have to say, I know if you had to probably choose your favorite spirit, you would probably say whiskey, right? Oh, yeah. That'd be my guess. I know you're a, you're a whiskey guy, right? Yes. I think mine might be tequila. Mm. That's I, a tough one because it, it's tough. I also, it? when I look at you, I also see rum. See, I love rum so much, and you know, and I've really become quite fond of a great whiskey too. And you know, this is this is when we started the show. I would have put whiskey at a distant third for me. Uh, tequila and rum battling for first and second. Whiskey at a distant third in terms of what spirits I like. Now, oh, whiskey's really, really coming on. So uh, it's funny. Um, it's funny because whiskey would be my first, uh, starting with scotch and mm-hmm. then moving to whiskey in general and bourbon, of course. Um, but uh, since we started this show, I didn't really like rum at all because I yeah. didn't know anything about it. I wasn't a big fan. Um, tequila was eh. Tequila's okay. Yeah, you've taught me so much about tequila and how good tequila can be. Well, I thought a lot of people are probably the same as you. Like they may have learned to experience and appreciate a great whiskey, a great bourbon, a great single malt, but maybe aren't in the same place with tequila. I think because tequila gets the rep of being that. That thing you, know, you didn't. College. I had an incident. Yes, of course. Yeah. We talked about that. <laughs> then there's that. Is, then yeah. there's that song, the Jose Cuervo song. Oh yeah, and then yeah. You know. So and then you know, tequila. When you're out and people are doing shots and there's lime and salt involved. Mm-hmm. That's see. That was most of my experience with tequila right. beforehand. And you know, it can be fun to like throw some shots back and woo party. But it's not a sophisticated drinking experience. See, I still don't do the training wheels. Yeah. Like lime and salt to me with with any shot is... Mm-hmm. I, lime I'm, and salt is fine in a margarita. I was going to say, only place I want limes, I want lime in my margarita, and I don't mind a little salt right. on the rim. Yeah. That's that's a drink, though. And right. uh, the other thing I've learned, too, over the years is I, I just don't shoot tequila like I used to. If someone says, do you want a shot of tequila? I will, and I'll sip it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll Same usually way. get something a base level of like Padron, right? Or uh, the Padron Silver can be a very yeah. Nice there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing Absolutely. wrong with that at all. Absolutely. Well, uh, I, I want to uh, lay something on you here uh, that I think is is perfect for people who might be at the same place as what you described. Like maybe you know you might have had tequila, you might have had a tequila incident, but you weren't really at the place of of learning to enjoy and appreciate tequila as a fine beverage is a fine sipping beverage something to pair with a cigar something to you know enjoy after dinner in a you know in in a snifter if you will that is another thing that you just mentioned is the the cigar pairing with tequila mm-hmm. is alarmingly good oh yeah oh like, yeah i'm amazed at how good it is and i don't know why it didn't occur to me because tequila um 
is grown in, in the same regions as some of the tobaccos. Some of the tobaccos, yep. And that makes sense that they would go together. <laughs> I find that tequilas and rums mm-hmm. pair again, same across, regions and kind of across the board more easily with cigars. Whiskies, if you get the right one, oh my God, the pairing is amazing. But it's more particular. Yeah. You know? Uh, but with tequila, there's a few common mistakes that people make when they're maybe not quite learning yet to appreciate tequila. So let's go through a few of these steps. I think you'll I think you'll appreciate this. Um, if you are a tequila novice or somebody who's just had it, you know, with a salt and lime or whatever, the first thing is that most of what you've been drinking is probably what we call mixto. It's mm-hmm. not one hundred percent blue agave. So the first thing that you want to learn is that a good tequila is always made from 100% blue agave plants, but um, a mixto only has to contain 51% agave sugars, and the rest can be topped with added sugars and syrups. So all you have to do is look for something on Radiator the bottle. fluid. Yeah, yeah, look for something on the <laughs> bottle that says 100% blue agave. That is, You'll that find is it on tequilas that are. Absolute must. Mm-hmm. For any tequila I drink now. Most tequila in uh, uh, that is made in the state of Jalisco, either in the town that is called Tequila or up in the highlands of Jalisco and Los Altos. Um, there's a microclimate in that area where uh, the blue agave plants grow bigger at a slower pla- a slower pace and they have more flavor. And so that's why it's not a you're not allowed to call it tequila if you grow blue agave outside of those regions and you know, distill it and bottle it. It might still be okay. What do you actually call it? If I don't know, if you don't... I, because I don't think anybody's ever tried yeah. to like pass it off. <laughs> Why like, would you try it? A, right? If you like tequila, try this. Because well, the problem is it's not going to be. It's just not going to be as good because that's the microclimate. Well, and then it probably be cross prohibitive because flavorful. if if blue agra- if blue agave grows so well in that area, why mm-hmm. would you try to make it grow somewhere where it doesn't want to grow as well? Exactly. It's so. uh, yeah. All right. So uh, here's the second tip: gold tequila isn't necessarily better. Now, this confuses a lot of people because uh, you'll have, like, uh, for example, a Patron uh, Silver, a very, very good silver Blanco tequila. Um, And then you look at a tequila that's gold, you assume that's going to be better than that. But that is not always the case. I think that misnomer comes from the fact, and, uh, and maybe even somewhat intentionally, that we use gold as a system of quality as well. Right. And like if so, something is right. gold quality, right. we think of gold being better than silver, like, if like I give the Olympics. You, right. you know? If I give you a gift and it's silver, you're like, oh, thanks. If I give you a gift and it's gold, you're like, wow. Right. Well, you think know? about our podium standings. you got bronze, gold, silver. Right. Or bronze, bronze, silver, silver gold. gold. Right. And mm-hmm. gold being the top. So when you say something is gold, our our brains always think, oh, that must be better. But that's not necessarily the case. That may just be a... <clears throat> color description. Well, here's the way it works for tequila. Uh, Blanco is, there's several different types of tequila. Blanco is also called silver or white tequila. Blanco is unaged. It basically represents tequila in its purest form. It has not been in barrels. It's not been uh, resting, is what they call it. Um, and then there's Reposado. Reposado is a tequila that is going to have a, a golden hue to it, so it is one step up, perhaps, from Blanco, uh, but it has rested in oak barrels for up to 12 months. That's the first step of aging. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's better. It just means it's more aged. You've had bourbons 
that have not been aged that have probably been better than some bourbons that were aged. True. But generally speaking, age adds quality and depth and complexity, uh, particularly when it's aged in, uh, in, in oak barrels. Anything that has rested, that's the tequila word, rested, uh, for over 12 months is known as añejo, or añejo, if you want to really try the pronunciation. Meaning uh, year. Uh, which typically takes a darker color than reposados. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anything that's aged over three years is muy añejo, or extra añejo, or añejo extra, is the way that it can be uh, labeled and marketed. And they usually go up in price in that order, because the more time it has to rest mm-hmm. and age, uh, the more expensive, uh, ultimately, that it is for the tequila makers yeah, to produce. the process mm-hmm. takes longer, everything right. takes longer, and, the, and you're also going to have less product, right. so there's higher demand. Here's where the confusion comes in, though. Mixtos... The mixed tequila we talked about earlier that isn't even 100% blue agave are generally golden in color as a result of added caramel colorings or flavorings. You don't want mixtos. Because we like gold. Yeah, we don't want mixtos. You want 100% blue agave. And so that's why a Patron Silver is better tasting than a lot of gold Gold tequilas. Yeah. Now, a gold tequila can be a reposado. You just have to know what you're dealing with, and you have to see the 100% blue agave on the label. So, basically, remember, gold refers to the color, Mm -hmm. not the quality. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, The third thing that you should probably know is good tequila can be expensive because it takes at least seven years, seven to nine years, to grow an agave plant. Sometimes even longer. Sometimes up to 11 or 12 years. So there's some real patience involved here. If you think about like, like fine tobacco... The crops are grown every year. Now, they may be cured and aged for a certain amount of time. Right, but you but grow them every year. the crops themselves grow once a year, not once every 7 to 12 years. So that's, a, that's an important thing. Because it takes so long to grow the plants, the growing cycle is subject to the occasional droughts that interrupt the supply chain, and that pushes the price up. That's especially the case now because supply and demand, demand is very high at the moment for tequila. And seven years ago... Right. Who would have thought we should plant, you know, three or four times the extra, the extra amount of amount plants? Of, exactly. Exactly. Because then all of a sudden tequila is going to explode. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, tequila expert who uh, is in this article that I'm quoting from advises against scrimping on a bottle. He says anything below about twenty-seven dollars is probably a mixto. So he says stay in the uh, stay in the uh, higher uh, region price wise. And you'll be in a much better place. Okay? Uh, Here, you're going to love number four. Swap the salt and lime for a typical Mexican chaser. Uh, Drinking tequila with salt and lime or lemon is not a thing in Mexico. They don't do it. Uh, And it's suggested that if you want something to chase that with, that tequila, try it the way they do in Mexico. A sangrita is uh, made up of juices from tomatoes, pomegranates, spices, and peppers. It's the same ingredients that make up typical salads in Jalisco. At the end of the day, it's customary to drain the leftover juice from the large salad bowls, pour it into a bottle to sip with your tequila as a chaser. Now, you remember when Stuart's Claus from Pura Vida was on? Yeah. Uh, he brought the sangrita, and we had that a- a- after the tequila. And it was like, it gives you fantastic. a whole new appreciation uh, for how good the tequila is. In Mexico, it's all about sipping your tequila. Sip, don't shoot. 
That's number five. Um, enjoy it, sip it, enjoy it throughout the day is what they do in Mexico. It's uh, it's something they like. Don't just sit down and have, and then they're done. They they enjoy sipping it through the day. Uh, they use a slightly taller and wider glass than the typical shot glass, uh, and they call it a, a caballito, which means little horse. That's what the shot the the tequila glass uh, means. Uh, item number six: Don't serve it too cold. If it's a margarita, you can ice it down all you want. Even frozen can be good for margaritas. But drinking at room temperature helps you get the full range of flavors from your tequila mm-hmm. uh, if you were sipping just like you would with uh, red wine. Number seven, uh, nice tequila cocktails other than margaritas do exist. Uh, there aren't that many that you'd immediately associate with tequila, uh, compared to like gin and vodka and other uh, other spirits. But uh, if you are sticking to the margarita, mix it up with some uh, pink peppercorn or chipotle salt around the rim. It gives it a little more mm. uh, tang. Uh, but definitely, he says, don't use sugar. You also should try the Paloma which is made with tequila, grapefruit, soda, and sugar. And the Matador is another uh, great old classic. You can look up how to make these online. Uh, and it gives Palomas you Palomas are quite good. Yeah, tequila, pineapple juice, and lime are in the Matador. Finally, tequila is said to be an upper. If you're prone to the blues, say, from gin, uh, tequila, unlike other spirits, is said to be an upper, and many have claimed that it can give feelings of euphoria. Now, tequila is known for the being the cause of nightmarish bad hangovers. But it is possible to enjoy tequila through the night, responsibly, of course, and not have a dreadful hangover. Yeah, but just- you need a decent bottle of tequila, and you need to sip it, not throw it back. And there's your there's your tips for tequila 101. Didn't uh, Jim Brewer have a skit about tequila? I think he did, yes. Yeah, That's <laughs> hilarious. Look that one up. Now, speaking of tequila... Uh, I found a very inexpensive 100% de agave, it says right there, uh, Añejo tequila that is called El Amo. And when I say inexpensive, this is a little less than $30. Nice. So it's almost, and it's an Añejo. So it's almost in that range where you go, this Maybe not. might be questionable. Uh, but I'm going to let you try this. And this is uh, interesting on a couple of accounts because uh, not only was it inexpensive, but it came packaged in this gift box, which also included a small bottle of the Reposado. This is the Añejo. It I love it when they do that. a small bottle of the Reposado. Now, uh, that works for me because I really wanted the Añejo, but I love trying the Reposado yeah, yeah. and trying the difference. What's really interesting is that when I tasted this, and yes, I will admit, I have already done some tasting. <laughs> uh, Called research. Yeah, when I tasted... When I did my research on this, uh, I actually tasted the Reposado first and was very impressed by the Reposado. I was like, okay, if the Reposado's good, what's the Añejo going to be like? So uh, it's the Añejo I brought in uh, for us to uh, do a little tasting with today, and we'll see what uh, we'll, we'll see what it what it accomplishes. I, I'll hold off on my thoughts, Ian, until uh, uh, until you've uh, taken a look at your research notes. And can tell me where you think we're headed with uh, with the El Amo. And remember, this is very inexpensive. All right. Um, so first off, it smells good. It smells warmer. Like uh, the, it has a darker, uh, richer smell than I was expecting, especially for something in that price range. Mm-hmm. Um, the the flavor leaves my mouth basically watering away it's really sweet right up front Mm -hmm. like there is a sweetness that happens 
right at the first, like just burst mm-hmm. of sweetness. And then you get that big agave warmth across the tongue and um, and those, uh, those, those sugary flavors going across. Mm-hmm. There's almost no heat to this at all. It's amazing to describe a tequila as having sugary flavors, but yes, it does. Yeah. It does. It has an actual sweetness to it in a way that's very pleasant, by the way. Not a cloying sweetness, but in a way that's very pleasant. So, And there's pepper in it, too. There's yes, there is some pepper. Peppery flavors, but pepper like, um, like, like, like black pepper, but in a great way across the back of that. Now, I enjoyed um, when I was in Los Angeles, I had uh, uh, gotten a hold of some very Vanilla. inexpensive Hornitos uh, Añejo tequila. And I found it to be very good, but not nearly as complex as this. It yeah. was very peppery, and I enjoyed the peppery to it. But it's kind of like the difference between when you get a really complex cigar versus one that uh, is really good, but it's kind of one or two notes, right? You know, and that's that's uh, how I would describe the Hornitos versus this. This is much more complex. You're getting a real combination of flavors in there. Yeah, I'm even getting a little bit of caramel, but again, yeah. no caramel's so been added to. I that. was I was about to say the the vanilla and caramel come back a little later on you, and mm-hmm. it's this is way more complex. Than I would expect of anything under thirty dollars. Yeah, I'm going to stop and get some more on the way home today because I'm afraid after people see the show, uh, the, uh, <laughs> there's going to be a, directly <laughs> affect yourselves. Yes, this is, yes. I bet this. I got um, this in specs. And at under thirty bucks, you don't feel bad about making margaritas with this. I bet it's amazing in a margarita. Uh, I haven't tried this. I I do actually want to get a bottle of the reposado to to try in margaritas. I'm almost scared to try this in margaritas because I like it so much as a sipping tequila. I'm going to say that I like this almost as much as the Skelly. That's big words. And it's about half the price. And I don't think of Skelly as being overpriced, by the way. I think it's, no, at 50 bucks, I think it's and worth it's super it, smooth. So that's where, if you, we were talking price to quality, mm-hmm. uh, this is scoring like a seven, seven and a half. Yeah, so the I would say the Skelly scores five and a half. Yeah, at fifty dollars. At fifty dollars a bottle. Yep. This being thirty dollars and being this good, I, it's I actually agree. With a you. little under thirty, believe it or not. Yeah, the first number is a two. That's nuts. Yeah, I'm I'm really impressed. And to be honest with you, I almost bought it thinking, well, this will give us another tequila to try on the show. We can't always try the most ultra super premium of right. everything. You know what I mean? I right. thought, oh, this will be. Let's see how this is for a for a less pricey tequila. And wow, sometimes the less pricey stuff. You know, I remember uh, when uh, one of my brothers was in town. I I took him to Reserve One Hundred One, which has every whiskey like, ever. Yeah, right. Like uh, that place is crazy cool. And we were trying a few things, and then uh, after I'd had a couple different uh, drinks, I said, you know what? I'm just. I, I went in and I got um, just got a double of uh, of uh, Buffalo Trace, and I came out and I was. Happily sipping away and smoking my cigar. My brother's like, oh, what are you drinking now? Because he was about to go in and get himself a drink. I said, this is Buffalo Trace. I said, here, try it. So he takes a sip of it, and he was blown away. He's like, this is so good. Mm-hmm. Like, he was telling me how mm-hmm. much he liked it. I said, now, nah, here's the funny thing. is, That's a $30 under bottle. And he was mind-boggled by that. As a yes. matter of fact, when he came into town last time, he bought a big handle of it, I think, mm-hmm. for like <laughs> a little above $30. Yep. 
which is a fantastic whiskey. So well, I, I love that. This is this is definitely going to hit my shelf. So we're going to call these the Buffalo Trace of tequila. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, they did a good because I, I think it totally works. And at under thirty dollars, yeah, uh, that I'm going to say it's highly, highly recommended by your pals here at Smoking and Toasting. And if you kind of follow the you know advice of the Tequila 101 stuff, you will learn to really enjoy and appreciate this spirit in a way that you. Uh, you know, you might not have if you've been more of a just a tequila party person. You will also notice that during the filming of this episode, no limes or salts were injured. That's exactly right. No <laughs> limes or salts were injured during this show. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with uh, I, I. You know, I don't know if you can stand it, Ian. After all of the goodness we've had here, but the Eleven Below Brewing Big Mistake Barrel Age Stout is coming up in our final sequence. Plus, red alert. There may be a shortage of PBR. I will have the story for you. Egad coming up. And Great Scott. Smoking and toasting. Thank you for listening. Why is Egad such a good explanation? That's a great word. <laughs> That's on the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. This is the uh, program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz. Uh, my co-host, uh, Ian Barry. That guy's crazy. Uh, I was going to say erstwhile again, but I, I, at the last <laughs> minute, I, I bailed on it. Uh, we're brought to you by uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant at uh, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And the shops at Clear Fork at Fort Worth. Uh, Paps Blue Ribbon PBR. There may be a shortage living. All you hipsters, pay mm-hmm. attention. Uh, CNBC reported this week that the iconic brew PBR and Miller Coors are heading to court in November as Pabst has filed a half-billion-dollar lawsuit against Miller Coors. According to the outlet, the two are feuding over a reported breach by Miller Coors in a decades-old agreement that the Keystone beer maker would brew Pabst's legacy beers, including PBR, until 2020. Though the current deal offers multiple options for renewal, Miller Coors reportedly wants out due to a part in part to a dwindling beer market, according to Food and Wine. So Miller Coors, looking at the adjustments and shift in the market, is saying, "Yeah, this is one we don't still need to produce." And Pabst Blue Ribbon is saying, "Hey, we have a deal." And and Pabst is oddly on a rise in the last five because yeah. it's become like the hipster beer of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the two parted ways, Pabst would be in a tight position to find a new brewery or build one of their own. Two equally difficult options that could potentially lead to a dreaded shortage of the hipster brew. Does it actually say of the hipster brew? No, I threw that. <laughs> I made that part up. That was awesome, and you yeah. you made uh, that like. <laughs> Perfect, uh, but but it is it is what. It, well, while we're talking about big beer versus uh, versus craft, by the way, a very interesting thing happening. Uh, you were just in Florida. Uh, you may have even shopped at a Publix. Yes, I, well, yeah. I actually never went into one, but I saw a lot of the Publix uh, grocery stores. Publix uh, with an X on the end is uh, one of the big grocery store mm-hmm. chains, and uh, much like a Kroger here or a Stop and Shop up yeah. in the uh, Northeast, giant eagle. Well, if you're in Pennsylvania, uh, if you live in uh, Florida, you. You may have noticed that at Publix, the Florida-based beer options are being shoved off the shelf. Big Beer, Anheuser-Busch InBev in particular, are starting to push local craft beers 
off public shelves, uh, public shelves all over Florida, uh, and uh, exerting pressure to have them replaced with the national craft beer brands that AB InBev owns. So they're exerting their pressure as a large distributor on Publix, which is a very large grocery store chain, uh, and saying, "Yeah, um, we, you need to, if you want, you know, to get the right kind of deals on, you know, Budweiser and Bud Light and whatever, then you need to give shelf space to our craft beers, and uh, that can be at the expense of the other." Well, ones. so a lot of these uh, large macro brews are starting to see that that craft brew is now taking somewhere in the neighborhood of six to eight percent of the market, mm-hmm. and they can't have that. Well, I was like, in, why should they submit that much of the market and shelf space to anybody else? So I was in Kroger the other day. There's a whole aisle of craft slash import. Now, in fairness, it has, you know, the Carbox and and the AB InBev owned mm-hmm. stuff along and and things like Shock Top and and Blue Moon uh, are there along with real you know real craft craft beers. Um, but it, there's the craftier aisle, and then there's the sort of mainstream aisle. And, oh, this is really funny. There was a guy there sampling. I'm at Kroger on Saturday. There's a guy there sampling Red Stripe. I'm like, well, that sounds good. I haven't had Red Stripe in a long time. Red Stripe, I really enjoy when I'm on vacation on the island. So sample the Red Stripe, and my wife says, if we had some Red Stripe at home, I'd probably drink it. I go, okay, okay I'll buy you some. They were out. The sampling guy's there, and they didn't even check the stock on what he's sampling. Exactly. Anyway, uh, but the point is, uh, craft beer has a whole aisle to itself, basically. Thank you. And uh, and then there's the aisle for the mainstream beer. Even though I know mainstream beer still sells more, it's having the variety and the choice in craft. If you're looking to get someone like you or me to shop there and buy our beer there, well, let's it's the variety. Let's and the just choice go ahead and say that it is popular enough for a store to create an entire aisle. Mm-hmm. For it, which is amazing, and I want to say hi also to Gloria, who I ran into this week, who stocks the beer at the uh, Phoenicia downstairs in my building. We had a long talk about craft beer, and uh, she was asking me what I liked and what I wanted to stock more of, and it was awesome. So shout out to Gloria. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I'm just amazed. Like when you're talking about the, the big macro brews pushing out the small brews, it what what's freaky about that is so I. I have a, a grocery store by my house that has a very small craft brew area. Like mm-hmm. it is literally, if you take there's one beer aisle, and if you take the craft brew area out of it, that would be a fifth or a, f- a sixth of the entire mm-hmm. aisle. Like that's right. my whole craft beer section. Mm-hmm. Now the Bud Light section, just meaning the area that holds only Bud Light, not all their other stuff, just Bud Light is bigger than my entire craft beer section. Mm-hmm. The Budweiser section is just as big as the Bud Light section. Right. The Miller Light section is bigger than both of those. Right? And and it's just amazing that they go, oh, well, we want more shelf space for this our is, beer. You only yeah. have one beer. Yeah, this is them exerting. I got an idea. Pressure. You want to take over the craft beer shelf space? Make better beer. Make like beer it. that I want to buy. Make better beer. I like it. Or just put flavor in it. Something. <laughs> now with now with flavor. <laughs> New Miller High Life. Stop selling now with me. Flavor. Stop selling me the package. Try and sell me a product. Barrel aged stout. Not something you would expect from big beer. Thanks for letting me be on my soapbox. Mm-hmm. Oh, I appreciate your soapbox. I dig it. <laughs> I dig it. 
Uh, Barrel-aged stout made by 11 Below Brewing. It says here, it's our third birthday, and after a long time out in Texas bourbon and rye whiskey barrels from Cooper Family Rye and Yellow Rose Distilling, we've finally let this imperial stout out of its corner. Most people learn from their mistakes, but we've never been quick learners. But we promise we'll make good choices in year four. This is the 2018 Big Mistake Barrel aged stout. I love that and I'm artwork. Showing this artwork to the camera. It's the kid running with scissors, and I don't know if you can see that, but he's about to step on a banana peel. He's already <laughs> he's already beheaded the teddy bear. I don't know if you can see that. The teddy bear is already gone. I like the handprints so. all over the refrigerator too. So uh, Eleven Below makes great beer. They make great sounding cannons. They do. Too. They make great beer. I was uh, uh, introduced to them a while. They have a beer that cracks me up. It's called Oso Bueno. Yes. Now, it's O-S-O and then second word bueno, So, which literally translates in Spanish to bear good. Bear good. Or mm-hmm. good bear is, is also, you would actually translate. O-S-O, Oso is bear. Oso is bear and bueno is good. But uh, So that's, that's that double entendre. So it's Oso Bueno. Mm-hmm. Or, or oh, so bueno. bueno. Yes, of course. <laughs> and it's great. And and their their artwork has this great cohesiveness to it as well that I really enjoy because uh, it's it's entertaining to look at. So when you see their stuff on a shelf, it's very distinctive. It kind of stands out. Yeah, it's yeah. very distinctive. It really does. Yeah, you will not miss their products on your shelf. Yeah, I uh, just like what they're all about. I like their sort of whimsical attitude. There's a yeah. good word for you, uh, whimsical. Uh, this is a um, this is a Houston-based brewery, Eleven Below Brewing Company, and I'm glad to see them getting the push out into stores. Uh, this is this is very exciting to be able to find this. Uh, big mistake rains in. Oh, Ian, 12, it tastes like it. Twelve point five. It tastes like it. This comes you were, in. At 12. I, I can't wait till you try this because five. this this has the relative uh, consistency of motor oil. <laughs> Well, I'm loving the uh, the initial the aroma. Burnt toffee. It is very much burnt. Yeah, it's not just toffee, but and it's caramel. burnt toffee. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and caramel kind of smell. This tastes like you set a Heath bar on fire. Wow. <laughs> you know that. Right as you said that, <laughs> it was it was actually hitting the middle portion of my tongue. And you could not have described it better. It's fantastic. It's like a roasted Heath bar. And that's okay. When it hits the middle portion of your tongue, it will stay there a while because it's, yes. it's, it's oh my God. thick enough to take a while to get across your palate. We've used <laughs> the word viscosity. It has on the a show high before. viscosity. Yeah. Now, much like the Añejo tequila that we were talking about in the last segment, this is not a beer you want to just throw back. No. You want to sip this and really take in the flavor and really understand what this beer is all about. You will notice that no salts or limes have been injured <laughs> or harmed in the filming of this episode. So if the Brooklyn Pale Ale Summer Seasonal that we had is over here at the refreshing end of the scale. Over here at refreshing. Yeah, this is over here on the not necessarily refreshing but wow yeah the flavor experience can you uh, imagine having of, this yeah. with a uh with a, like a chocolate mousse or something for dessert i'm imagining having it with a nica libre cigar oh yeah that's yeah. what i'm imagining because but both yes, of those the, would be chocolate bombs yes, yes. but w- but with a chocolate dessert as well yeah like a chocolate mousse would be yeah. perfect with this although you might go on a Chocolate overdose. Seriously, or even like a trace leches cake. Mm, oh, gosh. That would be pretty amazing. This would be great, and I'm not even joking, to make 
a, a float out of an ice cream like an float. ice cream float. Yeah, it would yeah. be amazing with this at twelve point five. It uh, and it will get your attention. It will get your attention. Yes, <laughs> uh, you were right about the thickness. The mouthfeel is. Other than the uh, beer that you brought in that had chunks in it that one time, <laughs> this may be one of the thickest uh, uh, mouthfeel beers that I can remember trying on the show. I mean, it is it is definitely there. Yeah, I mean, you almost have to squeeze it out of the can to get mm-hmm. the last few drops. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is incredibly... I wouldn't be surprised if it came in tubes. What's <laughs> <You know? laughs> the beer? It is incredibly viscous. And it also has a very low uh, carbonation to it yes. as well. But this is... A fan, like today has been great, great, um, great day for all of our for all of the tasting. Yeah, it really, and they've all been very different too. I mean, the IPA, the uh, the pale summer ale, the El Amo tequila, and now uh, capping it off with with this. And and you know, I don't want people to think that we're just homers that we like every single thing that we try. If, if you've watched previous episodes, you'll notice that I don't I don't but have a problem. with You know that. what? In fairness, though. This is stuff we like. I mean, we're in we're in an area that we're already passionate about. So, if we're choosing to sample on the show quality products, chances are pretty high that we're going to like them. So, the question becomes how much do we like them? How do they compare with mm-hmm. other things that are at this? I will say and I confess I don't remember the exact dollar amount, but I remember that this was a fairly expensive can of beer. I bet. Yeah, it was not a cheap one at all. Uh, in fact, I've I've bought bombers that were less than this can of beer. Uh, so so it's important to note yeah. that you know if you're going to have something like this, it is it's a luxury experience, and that's what you know. Look, I I don't want to you know go off on a thing about oh this is all about the good life. I'm just you know, we're just normal guys, but the idea, as you've always said, you can't hurry up and smoke a cigar. No. Like the idea of being able to take time out of your crazy, hectic day-to-day life, enjoy a great cigar, enjoy a great tequila, enjoy a really awesome um, barrel-aged stout with a kid running with scissors on the can cover. <laughs> I mean, it's just to me, this is what this is what this whole movement really is about. When I say movement, I mean the craft beer movement and the distilled spirits movement and the uh, the popularity of cigars. It's what it's all it's about the relaxation. And you can't tell me I know there are like health issues associated with all of these things, but you can't tell me there also isn't a health benefit if you're enjoying them in a responsible way and you're getting that moment of ah. Uh, I also want to point out there are health issues involved with living in a city, yeah, with crossing a busy street, mm-hmm. with, with getting into an you automobile. Can pick, you yeah. can pick anything. Automobiles kill more people per year mm-hmm. than most things. Yes, you're absolutely right. Certainly, and, and no one bans them. Right, nobody. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole different thing I want to get into. Yeah. But um, but what's amazing about it is, aside from all that, if you take all that aside, think about how much. Just sitting back and enjoying, like you said, how much that relaxation is worth to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, absolutely. Like, I just, I just had a vacation where I went mm-hmm. away for a while and had fun and did my own thing. And the nice thing about that is I don't have responsibility when I'm out and about. I don't have a lot of responsibility. I don't have to worry about I should be out in my workshop doing something or I got to get this done or I got that. Really? Because uh, earlier I think you were complaining about having to be on the show. That was, except your- for that one day, which, by the way, was our actual anniversary. <laughs> oh, well, Just see? so you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's why, that's why I had you to took tell, the trip. It was an anniversary I had to tell trip. my wife, I'm sorry 
Miss Tiffany, but I have to work on the anniversary. Yeah, I, I, I have to. Uh, but the enjoy rest a of the vacation, <laughs> I have to enjoy a cigar and uh, and talk no, about yeah, beer and, and, and just backing up what you're saying, just like those those moments where you sit down and you light that cigar and you go, okay, for the length of this cigar, I don't have those things going on, right. Right? right, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to enjoy this and go. That's worth a lot. Who was it that said the cigar is like a window to the soul? I don't know, but that's brilliant. I don't think anybody said it. I just made it up. <laughs> then it was Cruz. <laughs> yeah, Ian, it has been so great to have you back in the studio. I am going to uh, toast you, my friend, uh, and thank you for being here for the show. Smoking and toasting '93 is in the books. Uh, coming up on next week's show. 20 beers to avoid at all costs. Also, my adventures in Ybor City. That's right. It's going to be very exciting. It's, I'm really excited about these cocktails and, and stuff. That oh, you, you got to see this. This guy, yeah, that, there's a reason I filmed this. Like, You actually want to watch this. So if you normally listen to this on uh, on audio, yep. next week, listen to it on audio. But those two segments, you definitely want to yeah, look at the YouTube on, channel. Catch them on video. And watch this segment. guy. And if you live in that area, go see this guy. Roy at Rock Brothers was amazing. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for being a part of the program. Thanks to uh, Adam on the Wheels of Steel. And uh, the lovely Miss Tiffany for joining us in the studio this week. Have a wonderful uh, week, my friends. Remember, as Ian is uh, so fond of saying, you cannot hurry up and smoke a cigar. Have a wonderful week and cheers, everybody. (laughs) This is the thickest beer I've ever seen.